you are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Locked On SEC. Today's episode brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today on the show... We're going to go around the conference with the latest news and tidbits, just a little something each from all 14 schools as they continue to prepare for the upcoming college football season. Also, very excited to talk all things SEC with a former player, former Florida Gator and NFL tight end Ben Troop will stop by. We will talk all things SEC East with him. And lastly, we'll hear from some of the coaches' audio from some of their uh, press conferences this week as they get ready for the week one matchups. I'm Chris Gordy. This is Locked on SEC. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You will get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's dive right in. And for a new segment, since we're just starting taking this thing over, let's go around the conference. Start with the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia tight end Trey McKitty had his knee scope this week. He is questionable for the season opener versus Arkansas. Remember, it was just two weeks ago that wide receiver Dominic Blaylock tore his ACL, and he will miss the season. McKitty, he was hoping to replace two very productive tight ends last year in Eli Wolf and Charlie Warner. The Dogs do have a five-star tight end in Darnell Washington ready to go right behind McKitty. He's a uh, Mackey Award watchlist guy transferring in from Florida State, so hopefully he does not miss much time for the Bulldogs. Texas A&M during camp, the Aggies lost receiver Cameron Buckley and freshman tight end Baylor Cup, as well as Blake Smith, all season-ending injuries in addition to opt-outs from their defensive backs Elijah Blades and Derek Tucker. Now it looks like senior wide receiver and Kellamont's number one target, Jamon Osbin, is having some doubts regarding the up- upcoming season. Today, Jimbo Fisher talking about Osmond said, quote, he's still with our team. Sometimes guys have taken time off to reflect on different things, and he is still with us. Worth tracking, though, because that is an important piece for the Aggies and their passing offense. The Auburn Tigers, one of the more interesting quarterback OC partnerships this season is obviously with Chad Morris, the new offensive coordinator with quarterback Bo Nix. On Thursday, Chad Morris shared with reporters an early conversation he had with Bo Nix. said, quote, it really looks like the game has slowed down for him. I've been very pleased with him. I told him, you want to be good? You want to be great? Obviously, he said he wants to be great. Chad Morris also added, I've challenged Bo Nix. If we can't see if we can make the game slow down even more than it did the end of last season for him. So, Bo Nix get better this year. We'll see at Auburn. Mississippi State, two weeks until Mississippi State opens the season at LSU. Defensive coordinator Zach Arnett doesn't believe the Bulldogs are ready on that side of the ball. Last month, Arnett talked about Mississippi State's defense, said they're not where they need to be. When Arnett met with reporters this week, he said, there's been progress made, but he's still not satisfied. Quote, I'll put it bluntly. Do I feel a little better? Yes. But are we there yet? No, the Bulldogs ranked 11th in the conference last year, giving up just under 400 yards per game. Florida Gators, when Florida steps onto the field on September 26th against Ole Miss, it'll do so having held only two live-action scrimmages since the end of last season. Typically, a team will have at least five of those prior to a season between spring ball and fall camp. 
but adjustments obviously to the fall training camp and the SEC and this cancellation of spring ball have forced coaches to do things a little bit differently. Dan Mullen said Tuesday they just had their last scrimmage. He said we're going to have a little bit lighter of a week to let guys recover this week and then one more stretch of padded practices leading into game week. So we'll see if that pays off for the Gators. For the Ole Miss Rebels heading into the first season under head coach Lane Kiffin, the Rebs have announced senior defensive back Jalen Jones has been named the 2020 Chucky Mullins Courage Award winner. He will wear Mullins' number 38 jersey this season in Oxford. It's an annual tradition at Ole Miss honoring the late Chucky Mullins, who had his playing career cut short due to a devastating injury that left him paralyzed in 1989 and then passed away just two years later in 1991. Now, last season, Jalen Jones appeared in 10 games, making four starts for the Rebels after a season-ending injury in 2018 season opener. Last fall, he had 33 tackles with five pass breakups and four tackles for a loss. Kentucky Wildcats, only two weeks to go for their season, kicking off at Auburn. They will still reap the praise of OC Eddie Grant and his staff. One guy turning Eddie Grant's heads at pra- head of practice, though, is their wide receiver, Demarcus Harris. Apparently, he said that uh, Demarcus Harris looking really, really good as a weapon. And last season, he appeared in just three games, recorded one tackle on special teams. But that role going to grow a little bit bigger if you take anything from Grant's comments. So Demarcus Harris may be a guy to watch at Kentucky. South Carolina, their football team held its 16th practice of the fall on Thursday when asked what he would be looking for on Saturday when the team is back in Williams-Brice Stadium. Coach Will Muschamp was quick to respond, improvement. Muschamp noted that Saturday's scrimmage will not be like the first two that they had. He said there will be some thud involved, some live scrimmage tackling, but not as much as the first two. Sounding like a lot of these coaches are taking the approach of taking a little bit lighter on the guys as we get closer to the season. At Vanderbilt, there's only one place that they can improve or be optimistic in, and that's their defense. Coach Derek Mason has hinted that some of their defensive linemen, uh, might have to move over to offensive line to replace the four players who all opted out of this season. But one guy that they're really looking forward to getting back on the field is their linebacker, Dimitri Moore. He was the team's leading tackler. He initially opted out of this season after his grandfather died of COVID-19, but he came back to change his mind recently after doing more research. Dimitri Moore going to be a big guy that the Vanderbilt defense leans on coming into this season. Arkansas Razorbacks, Clemson, former Clemson D-lineman Xavier Kelly, made his way to Fayetteville, and during the recent media availability, Kelly was asked why he picked Arkansas. His immediate reaction, man, why not Arkansas? said, my official visit, I came, I got a chance to watch film with their D-line coach, Derek LeBlanc. He said, I, he's a very smart guy, very knowledgeable about the game, and I was like, that's who I want to play for. Remember, Barry Odom, now the defensive coordinator for the Arkansas Razorbacks this year. Playing time, probably a factor for Xavier Kelly, but uh, looking forward to seeing him out on the field for Arkansas. At LSU, wide receiver Terrace Marshall spoke with the media on Thursday. He was asked about LSU's offense. He said, look, we maybe have some tweaks, but we're going to keep doing what we do. This year's offense is just as fun as last year's offense. Remember, they brought a new passing game coordinator, Scott Linehan, formerly with the Cowboys, been all over the NFL. And uh, Linehan, Marshall said, is getting us, quote, right Marshall went on to say, obviously a weird offseason for everybody, but he's going to have a little bit bigger of a role with Jamar Chase opting out just last week. At Missouri, their football team set a new mark Tuesday for the amount of players 
held out of practice due to reasons involving the coronavirus. Head coach Eli Drinkwitz reported his team has four positive COVID cases and 10 other individuals quarantined as a result of the contract tracing. Those 14 absences come as the Tigers are you know, basically, what, two weeks away from their season opener, September 26th, against number three, Alabama. Drinkwood said, this is the most numbers we've had out for COVID-related issues. Tennessee Volunteers, the Vol Nation, is taking on the NCAA and the SEC League office, mounting a furious politically charged campaign to circumvent the current collegiate football transfer rule. Cade Mays, their offensive lineman, they're still trying to get him immediate, immediate eligibility. His attorney said that, the reason he transferred from Georgia was it had a, quote, toxic environment. Kate is an exceptional young man, a student athlete. He came home to East Tennessee to be with his family based on his environment at the prior institution. I don't know if I'm buying that, but the NCAA, there's no rhyme or reason to when they make guys immediately eligible or not. And lastly, at Alabama, offensive lineman Evan Neal making the move from guard to tackle. Spoke with the media on Thursday. He said, so far the transition's been treating me well. And high school tackle was my natural spot. So I feel like it just made the transition go a lot smoother for me. Meanwhile, defensive end Fidarian Mathis on the biggest difference from last year to this year. He said, quote, stepping up, being a leader since all the older guys are gone. Helping out LeBron Ray with both of us being the older cats in the room. Just stepping up and being a leader for the younger guys. And that is around the conference. Coming up next, we'll talk all things SEC East with former Florida Gator, now radio host, Ben Troop, co-host of 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. You do not want to miss that. A quick minute for our friends at rockauto.com. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. I know a lot of you out there, every time you have a little issue with your car or you just need a quick part, you run to the big chain stores, but a lot of them do not have what you're looking for. You'll spend hours looking there. You'll pay Uh, twice the price sometimes for what you're looking for. At rockauto.com, they have everything from brake parts to taillights, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether you have an old car, a new car, whatever, you can get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands and the prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and remember to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you there. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. All right, real excited to talk with this guy. When you talk about the SEC Love to get a former player on, a guy who not only was a former player, but also still talking about the game now, a guy who is co-host of 3 and Out, part of the uh, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. You can hear him out on ESPN Coastal. Former Florida Gator, former NFL tight end, Ben Troop joins us now. Ben, what's going on, man? Oh, man, thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, Ben, you're a guy, you played several years in the NFL. I could not believe the stat when I saw yesterday that the SEC makes up over 21% of all NFL opening day rosters. I mean, when you talk about it, it's only 53 guys a team, there's no question where the big boys come to play college football, right? Absolutely. I mean, listen, the SEC, man, I mean, it's a, it's an NFL breeding factory. I mean, they've been doing it since well before I came through the SEC. And at the same time, when you look at some of the guys at the top of their game, some of the best players coming through, uh, you know, coming from the SEC, when you look at when you look at that level of competition. But it just, it just, it just makes sense. I mean, when you, when you talk about pressure – 
It's not going to be more pressure than playing a place like Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. And I think when you look at the correlation of going over to the next level, I think they build you not just physically but mentally for the scrutiny that you're going to have to go through you know, week in and week out with them NFL schedules. Uh, ben, just a quick thought. I mean, one, we're all grateful and very thankful that we're getting football this year. But a quick thought on the schedule this year. Ten games going SEC versus SEC every single week. No cupcakes. Just talk about the toll that it's going to take on some of these these teams playing in conference for 10 out of 11 weeks. Man, I feel bad for Sam Pittman out there. You know, uh, you know, at uh, Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas, the, the greatest, the, the best uh, offensive line coach the last, you know, uh, decade. You know, when you talk about what he did at Georgia, his first game, he got to play against Georgia. Then you think about, you know, uh, guys like Mike Le- Mike Leach, and you look at, you know, Elaine, you know, Elaine Kiffin. I think it's going to be rough on on teams like that because you're trying to build a foundation, you're trying to build, you know, uh, some type of continuity. It's going to be hard to do that because. The fans always say, we just want an SEC schedule. Coaches, they always say they want an SEC schedule because either the fans or the coaches got to step out there. It is going to be rough no matter what because you got stiff competition. There will be no cupcake games. And I know people think Arkansas might not win a game. They might surprise somebody. But, yes, 10 games all SEC, I do. I, man, I am not envious of those boys. <laughs> Talking with uh, Ben Troop, I wanted to uh, talk SEC East with you. I think a lot of people are torn between Florida and Georgia this year as the predicted best team in the East. Obviously, Georgia, they take a, a little bit of a hit, man, with Jamie Newman opting out for this season. A lot of people believe in JT Daniels from, from USC, but how surprised were you by the news of, of Jamie Newman opting out? I was extremely surprised. I mean, and I was extremely surprised at the time. And obviously, you had, he's not the only uh, high profile guy, you know, deciding to opt out guys like Jamar Chase, uh, you know, of that caliber, you know, at, uh, at LSU. But I was surprised because I think he needed more of a res- resume builder. I'm not, I mean, I'm very, very impressed with what he did at Wake Forest. But Wake Forest, you know, it, it ain't Georgia. And I just think that obviously, Cover Smart is going to say all the right things. But people are going to, you know, if, you, if you're an NFL scout, in your mind, you're like, well, listen, do you really want competition? Do you really want to go? I didn't put yourself up against the best. And I think when Jamie Newman weighed it all out, he was saying to himself, look, his best games were against non-top five defense. Because when he played a top ten, top five defense, didn't have his best showing. Well, you get in Alabama. You know, you get you get you get in Florida, you get in some you get in Texas and you're getting some teams that could definitely expose you. I'm never ever gonna uh, be mad at a player for doing what he thinks is best for his future, but I just think the timing, it could hurt him potentially, but he's gonna have to really, really you know wow these scouts when he goes to the combine. Yeah, I'm 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 more I'm a little happy for Georgia in that they at least won the Sugar Bowl over Baylor cuz after they got their brains beaten by LSU in the SEC Championship game it wasn't even close. I can't imagine had they went on to lose the bowl game how much, you know, we would have been talking about on a, on a two-game losing streak and just would have been a, an offseason filled with pessimism rather than optimism because they are reloading or having to rebuild at a lot of different positions but uh, let's talk about your team the Florida Gators the schedule gets a lot tougher for them this year they remove games against Eastern Washington South Alabama New Mexico State and of course Florida State I think they would have gone 4-0 in all of those they always play LSU in the West crossover but now this year they had Texas A&M at home uh, I'm see I'm sorry at Texas A&M and then they're home for Arkansas Going to College Station not going to be easy. Your thoughts on the Gators' schedule this year? 
I think it's, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough sledding. I mean, Dan Mullen is definitely the guy for the job. I think when you look at Kyle Trask, uh, now now you know a full season under his belt under that offense, I think the offense is going to be a uh, loaded. Kyle Pitts and those guys going to have to add a running game. Had two runs the whole season last year, one against Auburn, one against one against South Carolina. That's not going to work this year. I mean, going to College Station is always going to be tough. I hope we get the old Kellen Mond and not. I mean, I mean, I'm the new Kellerman, and not this old guy that, he, that he's been showing. Because he, I mean, Kellerman is a great player, and you just don't know what you're going to get with him. I mean, Georgia is—it's always going to come down to Jacksonville. I mean, Dan Mullen's not going to say it. I mean, he keeps saying that Florida's only seven points, you know, worse than Georgia, but that's still a win, and you know, uh, for, for you know, for those guys in Athens and the L for Dan Mullen. But I just think that at the end of the day, you're going to see what you—you're going to see what you built for. I think this Florida team is definitely a team that could crack, uh, you know, uh, that college football playoff this. Year, especially when you know with the Pac-12, you know, uh, and the Big Ten not playing this year, but they're gonna have to go out there and prove it because Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, seven point five million dollars a year. That's a lot of pressure on him and his team. Obviously, Kirby Smart is always pressure on those guys. LSU, as you mentioned, always plays us tough, and I just think that you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about them boys. Uh, you know, my alma mater, because you can't hide when you a guy like Dan Mullen making six million dollars a year, premier coach, but you got to go out there and prove it. There was some question about some of their receivers maybe opting out, but it sounds like all of them are going to play. Jacob Copeland, Trevon Grimes, and Kadarius Toney. Uh, what are your expectations for Kyle Trask this year being his, his senior season? I think it's going to be incredible. I think, I mean, you know, you, we don't get He's probably one of the greatest, if not the one of the best uh, feel-good stories last year in college football. Hadn't played football in a long time. I mean, backed up De'Aaron King, who's now at Miami, hadn't played a long time, and he was a guy that, you know, you would nobody would have felt bad for him had he decided to go in the transport portal, didn't do it, had a great season last year. I think he's built a great rapport with, uh, you know, with Kyle Pitts. You mentioned, you know, Tony and Grimes and those guys. You know, sure, if we can get him, we can get him eligible from Penn State, that's only going to help the Copeland. But once again, I just think that Dan Mullen's offense suits him well, gets the ball out quick. It has to be a willing runner. Nobody's expecting him to go out there and look like Tebow. I just think he has to be a willing runner when you talk, when he does pull it down. But I see, I see him being really successful. And because Jamie Newman decided to opt out, he could, he could definitely be vying for, you know, one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the SEC this year. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting, but I think like like you said, I think high expectations for Kyle Trask this year uh, of the group of Kentucky, Tennessee, Mizzou, South Carolina. Which team do you think best can compete with Florida and Georgia for the East? Uh, I, I, I was able to. I was blessed enough to be able to go uh, to see Tennessee last year. Uh, you know, play Indiana. You know, uh, in, in the Gator Bowl, I mean, a very, very compelling game. They was able to have a big time, uh, you know, fourth quarter. I think Tennessee has to be the team. I mean, I take nothing away from what Coach Mark Stoops has done in Kentucky, man. I mean, people do not give him enough credit. Mizzou, I just don't see it being the year this year. South Carolina, I mean, outside of a good defense, that offense is going to struggle. So, for my money, I'm going to go with those Tennessee boys only because I think they're building something. Coach Pruitt doesn't get enough credit for what, for what you know, how hard it is to win at a team like Tennessee. So, for my money, I'm going to go with Tennessee because I think uh, while Kentucky's going to have a really, really improved defense, Terry Wilson, I don't know how much he's developed as a passer, so give me those boys from Knoxville. <laughs> Talking with uh, Ben Troop, how about in the West, Ben? Is it just Alabama and everybody else is playing for second this year? 
Absolutely. And, and I will say this. I mean, LSU, obviously, people are going to talk about no Jamar Chase, but I still think that they, they, nobody recruits better in the state of Louisiana than LSU. They're going to, I mean, what, this kid, I mean, I think Darius Stingley Jr. might be the best player in college football, and he's a freaking true sophomore. The kid was the best DB on the team last year, and, and the Thorpe went to Grant Delphi. So I do think that LSU is going to play well. Texas A&M is going to be playing prime for football for, the, for their coach, but I just think that, I mean, Alabama lost two games. Bo Nix think that the Iron Bowl is easy. He thinks he's going to win it two years in a row. No, that guy outside of Nick Saban leading the charge, you know, in this social injustice world that we're living in right now, you know, speaking on behalf of his players, Nick Saban is an ego-driven guy, and he do he, he will not uh, be looking up saying that he didn't win the SEC West two years in a row. That, that's not allowed in this contract, I think. I think it says something when you look at Florida and, uh, you know, and Alabama, two of the schools that have not had anybody opt out. You know, look, some guys need to make that personal decision for themselves, whatever they think is safe or best for this year. But I think it says something that, you know, they're, they're the two teams a lot of people are expecting to be competing for the SEC. So it makes sense that none of their players are opting out yet. Yeah, I mean, I think guys are looking at you know what, what's gonna what's gonna best suit me for those for those NFL scouts, and you know a lot of these guys are saying, look, I get another chance to be coached under Nick Saban, another chance to be coached, you know, you know, under Dan Mullen, and why would you? And you're right, I wouldn't be mad at any of those guys, but. Unless you are Jamar Chase, who you know I'm going to be the number one receiver taken in the draft. You know, if I'm Mika Parsons at Penn State, the number one linebacker, if I'm not the number one rated at my position, it might behoove me to make sure I go and get another year of football under my belt. Because when everybody else, does, I mean, when you in the when you in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, you can't even play this year. I'm not going to walk away from the game when I came to school to play. I know it's a pandemic-stricken season, but look, I've dealt with everything thus far. I'm, I'm going to put my chances, you know, uh, on myself, and uh, hopefully it works out for the best. <laughs> Talking with Ben Troop. Uh, ben, is it is it crazy to look around at the coaches in this SEC now? It's disappointing we didn't get to go to SEC media days this year, but I think back to you were recruited by Spurrier originally, right? But you played for Ron Zook mostly. Like When you look around this league and see some of the talent, it, it, they're in a bad coach in this league right now. No, it's rock stars. It's rock stars. And, and the thing is, people always say, you know, what, what, what makes a school? It, start, it starts with the face of, of, of that school, and you got to have a rock star coach. Lane Kiffin is back in the SEC. Mike Leach, you know, coming from the Pac-12 back, you know, uh, you know uh, trying to get the air raid, you know, in the SEC. You look at guys, it, it doesn't get any bigger than Nick Saban. It doesn't get any more ferocious than, than Muschamp. And a guy like Kirby Smart, it doesn't get Mr. Go Tigers himself, Coach Ogeron, Sam Pittman, I mean, Derek Mason. I, I just think that when you look at the SEC, they know what they're doing. As far as like a brand, you got some of the biggest coaches and biggest names in sports. Nick Saban walks in the room, unless it's Bill Belichick, everybody's going to shut up and listen. So I just think that, yes, the SEC knows what they're doing. It's all about branding. You look at what these coaches are doing as far as like standing up for their players. I just think that the SEC has done it right this year. When we look back on 2020, people not going to remember the wins and the losses. They're going to say, what did the SEC do? I said, look, man, they stood up in a big way. You look at what Kyler Hill was able to do at Mississippi State. That kind of stuff to me that goes under the radar, but they're surprised to say I played in the SEC. You know, wish I could have got to play for a guy like Coach Ogeron and, and to be able to in a meeting room with Mike Lee, you're talking about gargoyles and dungeons and dragons. This dude is crazy, but he's a great coach, though. Yeah, Pirates, too. Don't forget that one. Um, talking with Ben Troop. Last thing, Ben, what do you, you know, we, we're hearing a lot of the things about all the SECs. They've set their SEC stadium capacities you know, right around 20 to 25%. Maybe it goes up as the season goes along, but what disappointed me most was to see a lot of the schools saying there won't be any tailgating. What are you going to miss most about an SEC game day this year? 
just a game day atmosphere. I mean, it, it, it goes without saying that when college game day comes to some of these schools, they put on a show. They roll out the red carpet. And the whole thing about it is, you know, it's about, it's about normalcy. If I can't, so let me get this straight. I can't watch my favorite team in person. I can't even I can't even put my own self at risk outside, and I and I do understand that it's it's more of a it's more of a PR thing. I don't want to be the reason why it was an outbreak, and I understand it. But I guarantee you, they will they will be willing to wear masks. They will be willing to socially distance as long as we can still have that. Because um, you know, fortunately for us, college football is a part of our DNA. Unless unless you live on the West Coast, if you're in the South, it's a part of our DNA. I just think you're doing a disservice because while I definitely think you have plenty of time to put together some protocols, some rules, don't take every single thing away. I mean, the college football atmosphere is precious. You want your team to go out there and put on the best, you know, put their best foot forward for those opposing teams. But yeah, I, I was disappointed as well. Because 25% capacity, I don't know who's going to get those tickets, but I do not feel sorry <laughs> or envious of those ticket masters because it's going to be rough for them. Yeah, let the bidding begin. I mean, if you can't go to every game, like, why wouldn't you pay $1,000 to watch LSU Alabama this year? You know, it seems like some people may be willing to do that. He is Ben Troop. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Troop84. And then again, uh, co host of Three and Out, part of the uh, Southern Pigskin uh, Radio Network. Ben, really appreciate the conversation, man. We'll have to do this again soon. Appreciate it. Here he is, Ben Troop. Up next, we'll hear some sounds from around the league. Players and coaches continuing to practice, getting ready for game week, counting it down. It's the Locked On SEC Podcast. Rolling along here on the Locked On SEC Podcast. Our thanks to uh, Ben Troop. Great conversation there. We will talk with him again very soon. I want to remind you, we will talk with Mr college football on tomorrow's show tony barnhart gonna join us now working with uh sports illustrator si.com rather and uh doing a great job with them so always fun to catch up but he's a living sec legend tony barnhart so you don't want to miss that on the show tomorrow let's hear some of what the sec coaches are saying as they continue to gear up for year one or for week one rather going around the conference let's hear from dan mullen over at florida talking about a guy that he hopes to play a big role for his team this year, and that is Kadarius Tony. Remember, we told you sounded like Tony was Mullen sitting out or not for the season. He is back. He is ready to go. Here's Dan Mullen on Kadarius Tony. I think one of the things I'm really pleased with him, what I've seen from Kadarius, is just a real development as a wide receiver. You know, I mean, he was a guy that's high school quarterback, came, started to learn the position. I think he, you know, and, and you look, everybody knows he's a playmaker and he's a great playmaker with the ball in his hands. But I, I think he's takes, taken such a huge step forward in becoming a wide receiver now, you know, not just kind of a, a, a get it to guy, uh, which he'll still continue to be a get it to guy for us. But every down being a, a wide receiver, I think he's taken some huge steps forward. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about that because that's, that's what you want from those guys. You know, it's, it's one thing I'm, I'm this utility athlete, get it to guy. But when you become can become disciplined and, and a great technician at your position, that takes you to a whole nother level. Sticking in the SEC East, Kirby Smart asked about his quarterbacks. As we know, the big news last week, Jamie Newman opting out for the season. JT Daniels, the incumbent transfer from USC. Everybody expects him to be the starter. Kirby asked, what are you seeing out of your quarterbacks? It's a work in progress. Um, we had guys today that went out and practiced well. I mean, it's it almost feels like you want you, we really want a guy to assume the lead and take the lead, and that hasn't happened yet. 
You know, it's uh, you know, you'll have like, I have a great play or a great series, and then come back with a with a bonehead mistake or a turnover. Um, nobody has really just taken charge and taken over. I wish I could say that. You know, both JT uh, went with the ones today, and Dewan went with the ones. Uh, Carson went with the twos a lot, um, and then JT and, and and Dewan both went with the twos a little bit, and then Stetson went with the threes. But we don't have a we don't have a, a guy that's way ahead, and uh, you know. I, I, I don't know what to say other than we're going to keep competing and we're going to try to find the best one. Over in the SEC West, Gus Malzahn was asked about some of his players have been talking up Bo Nix and not just his play, but talking about his maturity from last year to this year, how the kid has really taken a step forward in that department. Gus Malzahn and Bo Nix and his maturity this year. Just more, he's a lot more vocal than he was at any time last year. Um, you know, and uh, he's really trying to lead. Um, you know, last year he's a true freshman. We had a lot of veteran guys offensively and defensively. And this year, um, you know, we don't have as many veteran guys. And so not only from a quarterback standpoint, but also a team leadership standpoint, uh, you know, he's trying to, you know, use his influence that way too. And again, Gus Malzahn also in the West Ed Ogeron, head coach at LSU, talking about some of his running backs, including one guy in John Emery, who was a big-time recruit just a year ago for his team. Says he made some mistakes last year, but he's cleaning them up, and he's ready to go. You know, we just talked about uh, our roster this morning with the coaching staff, and John has made tremendous improvement. Obviously, came in as a great talent, a great young man right there from Destrehan, was the top running back coming out of the country. Uh, had some ball security issues last year, has not had those ball security issues this year, is catching the ball very well out of the backfield, is playing on special teams, has uh, become an every down back, can catch the ball, can protect, can run the ball inside, outside. Uh, he's considered a starter, as as is Chris Curry and uh, Tyron Davis. I think those three guys are considered starters in our mind. So he's doing very well. Not sure how all three guys are going to start at running back, but we'll see, Coach O. Uh, don't doubt the guy who is the reigning national champion. And lastly, we go to the guy who's hoping to be a national champion once again, and that's Nick Saban. Reports out of Tuscaloosa, they are just practicing everybody. Nobody's getting a day off from the practice field, whether you're with the ones, the twos, the threes, the fours. They're breaking up the coaching staff, and everybody's getting reps. Well, you know, we're trying to practice all guys, you know, all the time. In other words... You know, some days we coach the ones and the threes and the twos and the fours, and we split the coaching staff so everybody's getting reps. Um, you know, some days we do the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours, but we're coaching all players, uh, and, you know, the staff is split uh, so that we can try to, you know, develop, you know, more. And that is what your SEC coaches are saying once a week we will go around the league we'll hear from some of the coaches if you didn't hear from uh guys like lane kiffin and mike leach this week we'll hear from them next week a reminder to all of you to subscribe to this podcast locked on sec wherever you find your podcasts you can also follow us on twitter locked on sec for the podcast or me personally you can find me at chris gordy and if you want to email a question about your favorite school suggest a guest idea whatever You can also email us, LockedOnSEC at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from some of you guys, how you're enjoying the show as we gear up just two weeks away from 
SEC football starting. And also a reminder, check out my buddy Matt Moscona's Locked On LSU podcast as well for all the Tiger fans out there. And remember to join us tomorrow. As I mentioned, we will catch up with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Really looking forward to that conversation as nobody knows SEC football like Tony Barnhart. It's going to be a fun conversation tomorrow. Hope to talk with you guys tomorrow as we prepare for one more weekend without SEC football. It's getting closer. I'm Chris Gordy. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.